Welcome everyone in for another episode of Security Sessions. We have a really uh, distinguished guest with us today, uh, Chuck Brooks, along with Stas, uh, co-founder of Compile. Today we are going to be focusing on a uh, a pretty hot topic right now that seems to be kind of a center of conversation, um, which is going to be around small uh, and medium-sized business enterprises when it comes to critical aspects of operations, cyber risk. Um, and we have some pretty uh, pretty experienced people to kind of share uh, in, in this conversation. So, Chuck, uh, thanks for being here. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself um, before we dive into uh, uh, this chat. Sure. No, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I have a sort of a diverse background that includes government and industry and media and academia. Uh, currently, I teach at uh, Georgetown University in the Cybersecurity Risk Management Program a graduate program with some great students. I also have my own consulting firm called Brooks Consulting International. Um, and uh, prior to that, I, I served at the Department of Homeland Security as one of the plank holders and science and technology directorate. I also worked 10 years on Capitol Hill with the late Senator Alan Specter. In industry, I was a vice president of Homeland Security for Xerox. And uh, most recently, I, I retired out or semi-retired out of uh, General Dynamics Mission Systems, where I was a growth strategist for cybersecurity products and new technologies. So it's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks for your time. And uh, Stas, uh, you wouldn't mind introducing yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Stas Pajika. I'm, uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Compile. Um, I'm an information security expert with 20 years in this, in this space, um, predominantly in the financial services space. Um, I have been a CISO uh, several times um, in the past and... Uh, yeah, um, you know, kind of live and breathe the security space. Very good. Yeah, thanks for being here. You know, Chuck, something I wanted to kind of dive right in, right into, uh, you know, when it kind of pertains to the small to medium-sized enterprises, um, you know, th there's an evolving threat landscape today, um, and it's certainly a bit different than it was five years ago and even a decade ago. Um, and we are, I think all of us would agree, it's going to be different uh, in the next six months, maybe the next 12 months. Um, what, what do you see as some of the challenges kind of right off the bat due to this evolving threat landscape that small to medium-sized enterprises can kind of look at, um, or, or what, are, what are they dealing with? What, what's front of mind for you? Yeah, now you're right. You, you you depicted it perfectly when you said it's changing rapidly. Uh, in the past, you know, it was sort of sporadic attacks against small medium business, whatever was a, a target of opportunity. Now you have uh, new technologies that have been introduced by uh, with adversaries who have a, a clear command of them already, um, and they're usually organized criminal groups supported sometimes by states, and they're out to make money. And they'll make money wherever it is. And small and medium businesses are great targets because they have no choice for the most part. If they get, get breached, they're either going to go out of business or they're going to uh, try and, uh, you know, get their data back. And if they get try and get their data back, it's usually paying ransomware. So they're, they're a big target. Uh, the second thing really is that with these new technologies, um, they're automating a lot of these attacks. Now, it used to be you hit a few tech, you know, a few companies here and there, but now they get thousands at once. Uh, they could also use uh, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning really more correctly to find vulnerabilities too, you know, who, who's doing this. And then they're hitting supply chains. And, and a lot of small medium businesses are part of supply chains. And if they want to get to the big guys, it's a good way to get in. And, and they're doing that very successfully, uh, particularly in defense aerospace and healthcare community, education, uh, and, and even in financial. So I think that uh, the whole uh, ecosystem for small businesses really, really become 
a dangerous one, uh, very precarious. And, and the real problem, of course, is that they haven't recognized yet that they are a target. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Stas, how, how do you kind of think about it? Um, I mean, I would agree with, you know, Chuck's um, interpretation of the, of the situation. I mean, um, security, I mean, security professionals are very highly in demand. There's not enough of them and small and medium businesses tend to not be able to afford them. So you've got lots of people wearing different hats in organizations. Um, and although I think technology has moved a long way, even in the past you know, five years and like in terms of cloud technologies and making things a little bit easier and streamlining uh, security across those rather than having data centers and having you know a whole bunch of things everywhere. Um, I think that's helped um, and made um, you know made things a little bit easier for small and medium business and medium sized businesses to operate. But it's also allowed uh, a lot of companies to thrive and, and and create new products very very quickly that are un- insecure um, that haven't been properly tested that haven't gone through the ringer. So um, going back to Chuck's point about the supply chain management. Uh, there's a lot of companies that are using very small companies now to be innovative and to help them with a lot of things, but those companies don't have proper security in place and they're not necessarily to, to blame, right? I mean, this securing products is very expensive. People in this space are very expensive. So there has to be new ways and new technologies uh, to help to help them with that. Um, but also it's a, it's an ever-changing landscape, right? I mean, Chuck, I'm, I'm assuming you're alluding to AI when you're talking about new technologies because yes. like... Yes. Um, I mean, there's a whole marketplace and ecosystem now where like, I mean, I just saw one, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but I saw one where they will literally scan the LinkedIn profile of the person and then customize a tailored email based on their posts and what their background is and uh, where they are and everything. And there's no, there's no more of this like being it really easy to detect that it's a phishing email because the grammar is now correct. The English is, you know, it's it's written properly. It's like... It they it the sophistication level has just gone through the roof. And I mean, chat TBC came out in what like October, like and we're like nine months into this, and it's you know, it's just changing the entire landscape again. Um, so that was a bit of a rant to say you have to stay on top of your game, but it's really hard to do so um for small and medium-sized businesses. Yeah, I think you're bringing up a really huge point though. I think that the, the art of the fish has gotten so good. Um, you know, that you know, often they'll, they'll take the, the CEO of a company or some executive and they'll mimic the, the whole letterhead or, or the back yeah. logos of these companies. It's very difficult even for people that are professionals to recognize it, you know, instinctively, if, you know, if it's uh, human resources or, or about your, uh, you know, retirement account or about, you know, something you need to do for security even. They're, they're very sophisticated in the way they get in. And uh, it's very difficult now nowadays to determine uh, what is real and what isn't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. And like, um, I mean, business email compromise, like it's one of those scenarios, right? Where like you get, you keep people, um, you know, you, you only give them a couple pieces of, t- uh, you only give them a couple tools, right? And that, and it's basically it's email. They don't need to be technical, but like how creative they can get with that. If you, you know, if you hold them to just that one particular niche, like, um, I'm sure people know about this, but I'm Chuck, I'm sure you know about this, but I'm not sure other people know about this, but like, uh, this business email compromise that happened a few years ago, but I think it's, I, I mean, I think it's still a very prominent way of, of this happening, but like they compromise one account uh, and then they buy a similar looking domain and then they start a conversation with the compromised account plus this other domain that's also compromised. They start a chain between the two people or, you know, talking and then they'll, they'll rope in the CFO and be like, oh, like 
I've been talking to, you know, account management and compliance and like, they want us to make this payment. And it just, it looks really, really legit, but like just the innovation in, in <laughs> doing something like that and the time commitment um, to do that is just, um, it's it just, it, it's almost, I mean, it is impressive. It, it's impressive the lengths that people will go to with very basic archaic tools. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. And I think like what, one of the struggles that these small to medium sized businesses probably can't get around um, or have to find ways to be uh, more innovative is, you know, budget constraints, limited resources, and, you know, the idea of understanding like when is the right time to bring on a dedicated IT professional um, at what capacity um, is, is I think a, a topic that I hear often because maybe uh, that, that five, 10 years ago threshold um, it certainly is important to bring on an IT professional, but businesses, I don't think we're even considering that. And now you're starting to see businesses having to make hires or find solutions um, earlier in their kind of maturity and their growth to just ensure um, and protect themselves. Um, Stas, when, when it comes to like a threshold, a signal, um, how do you think organizations or small to medium sized businesses uh, specifically can kind of think of that? Like, what's a signal that says, man, we need to really uh, kind of uh, bring a little more attention here, bring on a dedicated uh, professional, bring on a consultant, start bringing in some software, somebody that has some experience. Um, how, how do you think about that? Um, generally, um, my experience has been, I think, a, a, a lot of times these companies actually do have the capital to spend on security and compliance. The, the problem that I'm, that I'm seeing is um, they, um, they'll buy software, but they'll, they'll never configure it. Right. They'll go out and they'll buy CrowdStrike or they go out and they, they'll buy, you know, uh, XCR. Um, um, they'll buy, you know, the business packages of G Suite or Office 365 or E5 licenses, but they'll never properly implement them. So the, the things that keep happening are um, they're being compromised, even though they have all this great tooling in place. And but it's just no one's there to configure it, no one's there to look after it, no one's there to evaluate it. Um, that's, I mean that that's a telltale sign. But an even easier one would be, hey guys, like do you have do you have a set of policies? Yes, we do. Can I see them? No, you can't. Um, do you have a you know do you have a network map? Yes, we do. Can I see it? No, we can't. Um, like yeah. it 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 is all about the fundamentals and putting in the fundamentals. But the problem with the fundamentals is they're not they're not shiny like CrowdStrike, right? Like they're they're difficult and they take time and um, and they have to be nurtured and, and maintained. Um, and that's you know that that's kind of the problem with it. And I've seen companies do it um, successfully, um, but it's they do it once with a consultant, but then they drop it afterwards because they just don't have the bandwidth to, to maintain it. And that's generally like when you get up to that level, and then you've been working that hard to to get up to that certain maturity level, that's when you should probably consider bringing in, uh, you know, an outsourced resource or um, an information, some sort of person that can help. Also, the other the other problem with this space is it's a very vast space. So you can't really just bring in like an officer or an analyst at that level. They're not going to be able to handle the entire landscape. So you have to augment it with some outsourcing as well. In my opinion, I know a lot of people say outsourcing doesn't work and I tend to agree with them, but in this scenario, depending on the size, the complexity, the budgets, you have to be creative. Well, interesting, Chuck. How do you how do you kind of think about that? Are there are there signals that exist? I know I know we're being a bit vague here, not getting kind of nitty gritty in like a certain industry. But as an organization is kind of experiencing some growth, 
um, is there, are there ways that they can kind of say like, oh, uh, yeah, I remember listening to what Chuck said, and this is happening. Uh, like, you know, we really need to take security a little more serious. Yeah, no, I, I think Stas hit it on the nose that there's just a dearth of talent. And sometimes these budgets are sparse, but everyone uh, has the same issues. Their orchestration problems are, you know, they don't know what uh, products to have, how to use them. And when someone stays, they leave. So they really have to look at alternatives and there are alternatives out there. I mean, first of all, there's a cloud. I mean, you could have some sort of security uh, managed in the cloud. If you're a small business, it's probably a good idea. I mean, you you may want to separate your, your very sensitive data, but, um, you know, they, they have, a, you know, at least, at least you make yourself less of a target and you may have a, a provider, a, a legitimate cloud provider um, that can, can protect your, your uh, assets. And, and a lot of the big guys do that. And the second thing is there's other managed service security groups out there that are now uh, helping medium and small business. Uh, that's their model. And, and they're good. You know, you have to do your own due diligence, but they're good to go to. Yep. And, um, you know, if you're looking for, for red flags, I, I think look in your own industry and see if you're in, you know, if you're in health and you see that the hospitals are getting uh, breached or if uh, clinics are getting breached or if uh, even the biotech's getting breached, you know, it's a wake up call that, you know, you need some sort of security. And the fact is that, you know, more likely than not, with a lot of these small businesses are going to go out of business if they do get breached. So they have to look at it not as a, a, a business cost, but as a, as a business means of staying in operations. Yeah. And if they look at it that way up front, I think they're going to have a different perspective on security. And security too long is looked at, you know, okay, we'll just check the box. It's compliance. It's not. And so I think I think that there's a different mindset. And the only way we could really do is, is education and outreach to a lot of these, these small businesses and, and in every way you can, whether it's on social media or, or in organizations, because a lot of them are just, again, they're just unaware or they, they don't understand, you know, but it, it's not that difficult. You know, organized crime is now digital. No, that's right. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because I think like uh, what, what, what I hear often in this space is um, organizations when they're beginning to check, as you, as you said, uh, uh, no longer uh, rely on checking the box and actually start taking this stuff serious. You know, they start to realize that, um, Hey, like just because you have a SOC two, that doesn't mean you're secure. And just because, you send out a risk assessment um, doesn't mean that all your vendors are secure. You know, having somebody actually able to look at the information, digest what's going on, and actually evaluate what that information is—it's um, it, interesting. Stas, I, I know um, something you've talked about before is this idea of like not all SOC twos are created equal, um, and frameworks are frameworks. They're just guidelines. Every every organization within every industry has nuances that you know a one size fits all approach can't possibly work. But um, or is there like any framework or any thoughts around um, guidelines that you like or places you think organizations could start? Yeah, I mean, this just literally like last week released an entire uh, new, an updated framework for small and medium sized businesses. And this is definitely the most comprehensive, in, in my opinion, like the CSF uh, framework is very good. Um, it's very comprehensive. But again, you need to have people that know how to implement it, that know how to manage it and track it and understand what it's actually saying and, and put in the right recommendation. So you need someone that's technical that understands this space, but it's definitely a good, um, you know, a good starting point. I think if you have nothing in place and you really are short on resources and and um, in time, um, you know, the CIS uh, version eight is is pretty is pretty comprehensive as well. 
um, and it's a little bit lighter and easier to implement. Um, but I think, at, you know, as a starting point, if you are going to do it and it requires maintenance, just put in a mechanism that you can you can maintain certain things and don't bite off more than you can chew. So, example of that put in policies that policies that you can adhere to, policies that you can update at least annually. Um, and then you can get the business to buy in because there's nothing worse than getting a policy in place and then you not following the policy and then being called out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuck, how, how do you think about that? Are there any frameworks that you particularly like or that yeah. you look at and you think? Well, are I mean, the, the NIST is really applicable both for the small and medium businesses. It's, it's, you know, it's made for them. Um, but I think, you know, every little business is different and it would behoove them, I think, to to have their own risk management strategy put in place using those guidelines or doing their own research and looking at some of the basics, what they could do. I mean, the, the reality is that um, their hackers usually go where the easiest targets are. And if you do some basic cyber security hygiene, you don't have to be a cyber expert, but that's a start, you know, you know, make sure that you have, uh, you know, secure firewalls, maybe uh, encryption of your data, you know, okay. secure your Wi-Fi. Uh, multi-factor authentication, strong passwords, and, yeah. and identity access and management. Yeah. That is something that I think any really basic business could manage. Yeah. They do that basics. And, and then they'll avoid at least being a top target. Uh, they may still, everyone could still get, you know, hit at one point, but you're much less likely to be be a, a hit if you're if you have those in place. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and hey, a little uh, fishing and awareness training never hurts, right? I mean, the human element is always, uh, always going to be a factor. And I, I you know, I, I think both of you, both um, Stas and Chuck, I think each of you have alluded to the level of sophistication that has kind of uh, the, these phishing emails, business email compromise have, have has kind of risen to. But, but I think we also have to understand um, if we're not going to kind of train along the way and kind of bring some employees along, number one, um, you don't know what your risks are. You don't know what the level of kind of, uh, you know, cyber buy-in is. But then at some point, it's hard It's hard to kind of, uh, you, you know, point the finger or, uh, or, or kind of in the aftermath to look at like what, what a little investment back into your people could have done or, or prohibited, um, you know, after, after a breach. Um, you know, uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of just touch on is just the in incident response element, because I think far too often, um, you know, maybe there's uh, an incident that occurs and organizations begin to kind of get a little uh, reactionary at that point, um, instead of kind of following the, the playbook. Chuck, um, kind of what, just if you don't mind, just like your experience when it comes to incident response, um, you know, kind of ways that you kind of think about it, uh, and if if it could be applicable to kind of the small to medium sized business, maybe that would be uh, would be a great place to start. Sure, it's it's definitely applicable, and um, what you just talked about training is really the, the key element for that response. Your your leadership, or even you know most of your employees, if you're a small or medium business, should be regularly trained in what to do if there's a breach, and you should have a a risk management plan in place of who says what, who does what, where you go to. If it's uh, you're being hacked by a, a foreign entity, uh, you know maybe you can uh, involve law enforcement, and they might be of assistance. Particularly if it's cryptocurrency and other things, what they're trying to trace, uh, making a big element to do that right now. Um, also, you need to 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 see who's going to be the spokesperson for the company uh, when something does happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and you should have a backup. I mean, if you're a small business, there's no reason not to have a, a separate uh, database or computer that's not attached to a network uh, that you could segment and use 
And all those things are pretty easy to do. But I think, you know, I, I think if every company expects to be breached and they have a plan in place uh, to, be, to deal with the, the, to try to mitigate those issues, it's going to be a lot easier for them. It doesn't mean there's a guarantee they're going to get the data back or they're going to be in business, but it's more likely that they will at least avoid some of the, the hardships that other companies do have that don't have anything in place. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, Stas, I know something you and I have talked about this whole concept of, uh, of you know, companies can no longer really uh, think uh, prevent breach. It has, you know, it's kind of more of a assume breach mentality. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so just curious how you kind of think about that, uh, how that could be applicable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, there's a breach every day, right? I mean, it, it's, you're so numb to the, to hearing about who's been breached and where they've been breached. Um, honestly, it's going back to fundamentals, right? I mean, putting, putting in a, a decent incident response plan, having playbooks in place, um, doing tabletop exercises, getting the business to buy in, um, having someone that's going to talk to the media when, you know, things happen, have a point person, um you know that that talks to employees um uh, depending on the what the breach is i mean this this part really isn't rocket science this is really just um uh you know maintaining good policies and good procedures in an organization um but um assuming breach is not great either i mean you still you you want to you want to do as much as you can to prevent it but you need to be ready for it just in case it does happen absolutely yeah yeah, no. Well, I, I can't thank each of you enough for your time. Uh, th this was a great conversation, Chuck. Uh, th this was nice, uh, not only meeting you, but kind of getting uh, getting schooled a little bit. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, Stas, the same. Really appreciate you kind of making time for this. You know, we I, I think it's very clear um, a common topic in this industry is just um, trying to, uh, you know, share education, be, be a source of knowledge, um, you know, there is a talent gap here, but in reality, if, if it's going to be solved, it's going to be from the likes of these types of conversations and ones that are happening across every network, ISACA, um, across the board. So so it's really great that we make time for this. Um, and I want to thank both of you for it. Perfect. Thank you for having us. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Be well. Have a wonderful day.